Welcome in, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, all the places where you can find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Feel free to connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week, and I'm joined by the birthday boy himself, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Oh, I'm feeling old, man, now. Feeling good. Uh, another year older, another year wiser, uh, another year closer to the uh, Triple Crown where Texas wins football, baseball, and basketball national championships. So, you know, living. L-I-V-I-N. Keep on living. Just keep living. I do need to report because um, I think that's a mural. Maybe it's not. I know it's a McConaughey uh, saying. But speaking of murals, in Houston there's a famous uh, Be Someone mural. I think Ed Oliver famously had it on the inside of his um, jacket at draft day. Um, It is a famous, um, you know, just symbol of the city over interstate 10 and uh someone has repainted it in in lieu of the other major news of course my birthday being the main but the other major news sweeping uh, the international community the um coronavirus it has been changed to wash your hands yes so it, that's incredible as, advice yeah as you enter downtown houston the advice given instead of be someone today is wash your hands yeah for at least 20 seconds hmm. which is happy birthday to you twice Mm-hmm. So just just throw that out there. I also, if you follow me on Twitter, I retweeted uh, a thread of several songs whose choruses are twenty ish seconds. Mm. So there's a Lizzo song in there. You know, there's 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 all sorts of stuff. So if that's your check, me out on Twitter. I'm trying to give you uh, a virus help. I'm not a medical professional by any stretch of the imagination, but I do love music and creative ways to get people to um, not be so filthy. But we're not talking, we're not, this is not a healthcare podcast, nor are Kyle and I anywhere close to being healthcare officials. Please do not take any sort of advice from us other than the generally accepted that it's good to wash your hands. Uh, we're here to talk about some stuff that doesn't really actually matter, but we love talking about it anyways. Uh, we've got some baseball for you. Baseball had a de- had, had a, a, an up and down weekend, had some good, had some bad. Basketball, we're, our, our integrity is continually being brought into question about how we're not going to talk about basketball, but we kind of have to. Uh, we got some NFL Combine news. Softball had a big, big weekend. Uh, the Leap Day was very kind to Texas, so we're going to talk a lot about that. And then we'll obviously close the show out with some bang the drum. So, Kyle, I think I'm actually going to switch it up on the show notes. And we're going to start on basketball, because I think okay. basketball is probably the bigger story sure. going right now. So, two weeks ago, on this very podcast... We talked about and rehashed Texas getting absolutely pantsed by Iowa State, and we said that we would not talk basketball until there was news to report. Now, you and I were of the camp that the next news to report would be that Texas had parted ways with head coach Shaka Smart. Little did we know that two weeks later, we'd be talking about a Texas Longhorn team on its longest win streak in six seasons. Hmm. And on the verge of a number three seed in the Big 12 tournament, they have a realistic shot at it thanks to beating Texas Tech in Lubbock, another ranked team. Kyle, back from the dead. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't remember the exact wording we used, but we I think we said until Texas um, has a new coach. And I think Texas very much has a new coach. 
fair. <laughs> since fair. since uh, since the Cleveland Cavaliers fired John Beelan, um, Shaka Smart is a brand new man. Uh, you know, as Lee Corsa would say, uh, not so fast, my friend. Um, it, something has has awakened in Shaka. I think the perfect uh, symbol was we tweeted from the show account the the Undertaker presumed to be dead sitting up from the coffin and that has very much been what this has been it's not only four conference wins it's back-to-back uh top 25 wins the first time that's happened since that streak in 13-14 season um four conference wins doesn't seem like the you know the biggest feat in the world but there's really really good teams in the big 12 um for the past decade so it usually requires beating a ranked team if you're going to win four in a row um you know somewhere in there um so you know, all credit to them. Let's remember again how wildly flipped this narrative would be had they they got you know Baylor, who who was since TCU be, pipped us to uh, to to knock off the the top five Bears. But uh, you know that would be a five win streak with three top twenty five teams, and they they do still have a chance. And I'm not going to say a a good chance, but a, certainly I'm going to put it as as I'll give it more than fifty percent that they a they puncher's win, chance. Yeah, that they win out both games against the Oklahoma teams uh, to finish out the season and, and yeah, finish on a, a six game win streak in, in conference. That's uh, have to dig out the stats of the last time they've had one of those. It's been a minute. Um, that's fantastic. I mean, that's, it's truly, um, it's night and day. You could have given me, I don't, I, I don't know the odds you could have given me to entice me to bet that this would be the turnaround when I looked at the remaining games and there was two top 25 teams and, you know, two Oklahoma teams or whatever in there and that they were going to be potentially um, rounding out for a, for another, or a number three spot in, in the big 12. I mean, it's just wild. You would have had to give me thousand to one odds and I still would have just put down a dollar. <laughs> that's that's what I would have done. Yeah. If I, if I can make a thousand bucks off a buck, yeah, I can do that. But sure, I I didn't know they had this in them, and I we we're I went back and forth with some folks on Twitter, and and occasionally I'll get bored. My son will be napping, my wife will be napping, so I've got time. Um, but like, if this is the shock of smart that we get moving forward, then I'm all for it. And and Texas is kind of playing like they have their backs against the wall and they are I mean they're down what four guys they're down to like eight scholarship players at this point due to injury yeah. and the the story about about Shaka kind of walking into the locker room announcing the injuries to the team and saying what are we going to do in kind of a confident way it's pretty impressive yeah um, just the 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 gumption is the word I'll use because we try to keep this clean on the podcast uh, the gumption to do so is incredible and and if, if he continues to coach this team to the level of intensity that they've played, this is a competitive team, and they'll get some guys back. They're not going to get uh, all of them back, but they'll get a couple back probably if they make a uh, a shot at the big at the well. They're going to go to the Big Twelve tournament, but the NCAA tournament. But they like Andrew Jones is playing better than he has in his entire career at this point, uh, and he's got somehow two more years of eligibility left. Uh, I mean, somehow we know how, but two redshirt years. So he's a redshirt sophomore, so Jones. They'll get another year with him. Courtney Ramey uh, scored all 12 of his points in the second half. Kind of Jones set it up, and then Ramey knocked it down is the best way I can describe it. Uh, and it's just incredible the turnaround that they've had over, like, outside of 
Andrew Jones saw like actual sophomore year where um, he went out with leukemia and Texas still made the NCAA tournament outside of that. I think this is the most impressive coaching job Shaka smart has done. Yeah. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the fact that they've won top 25, you know, games against top 25 opponents by double digits, neither of them were squeaked out. They came out and were clearly the better team shot 63% in that second half in getting over tech. I mean, they, they, they just, looked like they put the the foot on the pedal, which has been a knock on this team often. Um, they looked like they wanted to put this game away. Um, and so, I mean, it's wild, right? We said, okay, no Jericho Sims. Now we're looking at more of a guard-led team with Courtney Ramey and Andrew Jones. See what that can do. Well, clearly it's worked out well. No uh, Liddell, um, you know, and, and we've thrown guys in. You know, Donovan Williams is the glue guy. Well, Donovan Williams is now uh, in the latest news. He's out and will at least miss the uh, the OU game. Um, it was announced that Febres is out for the rest of the season. It's just a next man up mentality right now, and it's certainly an us against the world mentality. I think all of the negative feedback, and these players aren't immune to it. I mean, we live in a social media age. They can have deleted social media or whatever. They're going to see it. They're going to hear it. It's going to get texted to them. It's going to get forwarded to them. You know, on some social media somewhere, it's getting to them. They, they know the amount of grief that this team has has taken and, and a lot of it rightfully so um but it there are two ways to handle that right you can you can wilt you know like a like a like an unwatered flower in the sun or you can you can uh you know step it up grow some thorns and uh and and make yourself you know a little bit prickly and they they clearly have have done the latter and and honestly I'm about as proud at that response as I am of anything for you know, Texas major sports this year, like kudos to the team, kudos to those seven or eight guys who are out there every week busting their butt. And there has to be a thought somewhere in there. We're like, what is this all for? Our coach is going to get fired. We're going to be the worst team in the company. You know, like there was a point when they could have just hung their heads and they truly didn't. So not taking the victim woe is me mentality and instead, you know, looking at the name on the front of the shirt and stepping up and playing for the brand. They've, they've earned a lot of respect from me. Absolutely. Like they, they came out in some of these games and it felt like there was nothing to play for. And again, I think that's a testament to what coach smart has done in the last two weeks. He's really rallied and he's got to rally this team around. Like there's bad news bears. It's a very dated reference, but like they've kind of rallied around the fact that they're this scrappy team. And he's really, I think motivated them to do better. And so now they're going to hopefully take that, um, in, into the rivalry game against OU that I think could be another tone setter for them. So they've got a massive game against OU on ESPN two Tuesday, of the day you're listening to this at 8 PM. It's a big time game and a big matchup that will probably, and very likely will tell the story of where Texas finishes the regular season in big 12 play. Yeah. It's um, hopefully everyone, if you can travel to that, you know, um, kids, make sure you, uh, you try that. Um, it's, uh, it's going to be a huge one. It's going to be a good one. It's always great to beat OU. OU sucks. We all know that. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a big game. At least tune in. Watch it. This needs to be a thing that all Longhorn Nation's eyes are are, are fixed on. Um, because it's, it's Texas versus OU in a meaningful part of a season that could be a 20-win season. When all is told, this could be a 20-win season if they can make uh, – they can make – 
this thing happened in Norman before returning back in. I hope either way that everyone comes out for the final game of the season Saturday uh, back in Austin um, against Oklahoma State. So it's going to take an Oklahoma two-step for them to finish the regular season with 20 games, but that is still very much in the cards, and we will talk more about that on uh, next Monday or next Tuesday's show. And so now we've got to talk about the baseball team. Had a uh, an up-and-down weekend at the SH Triple C, the Shiner Hospitals for Children, something something classic, right. uh, they went one and two in the season. Uh, the series dropping to ten and two on the season took their first two losses. Uh, they lost to LSU on Friday night, four to three. They then beat Arkansas on Saturday, uh, eight to seven, and then they lost to Missouri on Sunday. Nine to eight. And so uh, there is a lot to be said about Texas struggling in all three of these games, really. And I don't know where to start because you don't want to blame the, the umpires, but there's on both Friday and Sunday, both the losses, there were some questionable calls. Yeah, I mean, even even midly, if you want to look at the uh, the the win on Saturday, it seemed like the strike zone just changed. It shrunk quite a bit um, for the Horns in in their end when Arkansas kind of made made a rally and made it close. Um, I, I hate to talk about the umpires, but this just looked like an ump show. I mean, there was too many times that people were talking about umpires, and I believe in other games as well from what I've heard. Um, I admittedly did not watch any of the other games, caught the scores, but um, that that there was just some umpiring issues all weekend. Um, I'll say this. You never want to be the the guy to quickly go and blame the refs or the umps in in any game, any sport. But, again, these were three one-run games, even the one they, they, they took care of got really close um so i mean when it's one run games and you're ending on for instance in that sunday game on a, on a call and and it ends on an umpire decision that's at best questionable um it's tough and i understand why fans may feel a little salty the good thing is you have a coach and coach pierce who isn't going to dwell on that and expects you to not be in a position and we've said on this podcast many times where you know don't let the umpires matter. Go beat people by five runs, and you don't have to really worry about umpires. Yeah, and and that those were his comments after after the games. Is that you know they didn't really play well enough to win on Sunday. Is what what he said. Texas had what five errors in that yeah. game, uh, and I think several. I I lost the count. It's in the notes somewhere. But like several of those runs were unearned, like scoring, uh, like throwing yeah. errors and things like that. So like you can't really blame the umpire. For well, one, I blame any umpire that tries to be part of the show because you're not part of the show. Yeah, uh, you're just there to make good calls. But like, whatever, it's fine. Um, but like, you can't really blame the umpire when you know three runs came across the base that were unearned, right? Like throwing errors for three unearned runs changes the game. That's an eight. That's an eight six win. Not a not a uh, not a nine eight loss. Yeah, I mean, I think you're. I think you're exactly right. Like it. It was. They had kind of their hiccups. They were sloppy this whole series, but there were a couple things that were promising. LSU threw some incredible arms at them, and and they got the bats to at least work to keep it close, and they pitched enough to keep it close. They didn't end up coming out on top on that. But um, against Arkansas, it got a little sloppy. I mean, in both games, they had some bright spots and some areas for improvement. Um, Against Missouri, just kind of in all three phases of the game, um, they they saw a need for improvement, certainly in the fielding and throwing um, kind of defensive part, and then pitching in, in the bats all um, 
varied in their levels of expertise. I'll say to put it nicely, there was a couple uh, stinkers laid, um, but you know it, it gives you something to build on. You played three probably pretty good teams. I didn't really expect much from Missouri, but they they clearly made a name for themselves in this tournament. But uh, you know they they I think ultimately Texas you know after last season um, came out to a nine and0 start so expectations flipped pretty wildly um, a one loss a one run loss to a number 11 LSU a one run win uh, to an Arkansas team you take the Missouri game out of it and if it was just those two results you say okay wow that's I'm very excited with how we've started through our first true test the the loss to Missouri does sting a little bit and the errors that caused it the you know, I mean, we don't know if we want to get down to the specifics, but like you said, there was a play specifically. It was Little League, in my opinion, where my boy, I've rode for him, but Silas Ardwin just had, a, I don't know, a bit of a brain fart. They pitched out with runners on first and third, and he had a terrible throw to second, which he's usually got a gun, um, delayed it even a little, like he didn't hadn't had made up his mind. Um, then uh, poor Dixon tries to make a play at the plate and just whiffs that so badly that uh, they scored two off of it. So, I mean, it, it just... Those types of things are infuriating. They are frustrating as a fan. I can't even imagine how they feel as a coach. Um, but you're playing a ton of freshmen, right? And especially when you're paying, rotating guys in to keep people healthy for the long slog of the season. Um, you had a freshman catcher where obviously Petrinsky had played pretty well when he was in, but a freshman catcher, you know, Dixon had been great even uh, in that Missouri game in a couple spots, made some great defensive plays. Um, but, uh, you know, just then you, you make a boneheaded play. It, it, it's the it's the give and take of a freshman. I mean, Trey Faltini just looked unreal in a couple plays. He could have had better, and then he also got robbed of, you know, just what I, I still, again, umpire decisions, but there was probably about 10 of them um, on that ultimately led to a run. So, I, you know, I, it's tough. It's tough how a freshman responds to that, how a freshman responds to adversity. They have a good opponent um, to kind of prove themselves against in, in Arizona coming up. But, uh, I mean, ultimately, I think this probably showed that Texas isn't all the way back in there and ready to, to beat it. But they hung with some really tough teams where it also would say, this team keeps getting better, that there's no reason that they shouldn't be rematching, you know, at least two out of these three teams in a College World Series format. Yeah, and I think that's, that's the big takeaway is that a lot of it's fixable. Mm. A lot of these mental mistakes and a lot of those those execution errors are fixable. And when Texas, I'm just going to be honest with you, played three of probably the worst games I've seen them play all year, they still were within one run in all three of them. Now they won one and they came out on the wrong side of two of them. So I'm, I'm you know, what is that? What does that LSU game look like three months from now, right? Like in, sure. in the College World Series, what does that look like over the summer? Like what is what does that Missouri game look like over the summer? Yeah. What does even that Arkansas game look like when you know when the the middle reliever guy middle relievers are not giving up you know seven runs in in a uh, in a relief spot? So like yeah, I, I'm I'm really I'm opt even with the even with the two losses I'm optimistic that all of this is fixable. Like the sky is not falling, and if there if there you had to pick one of these three teams to beat Arkansas is probably right up there because yeah. their fans are the absolute worst. Yes. Stay out of my mentions forever. Uh, LSU is a close second, but if I had to pick one of three, if you said, hey, of these three schools, which one do you want to beat the most? Arkansas is up there. Uh, you're absolutely right. In baseball, there's no team I enjoy beating more than Arkansas. Um, I will say against LSU, that might be the best um, two 
pitch attack that they will see all all year, um, especially when reliever Jaden Hill came in and threw effectively three perfect innings, um, striking out six of the ten he he faced. I don't like. I don't know if the Horns. I mean, OU has an incredible uh, starter who they're going to face, but I don't know that they will necessarily play face a better pitcher this season than Jaden Hill. You heard it here, folks. I, I could literally. Based on the stuff he showed, I could see him being a first-round pick in 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 you know next year's draft. He's that good a former high school All-American who started out really good in his first two career starts and then missed all of the rest of his freshman season. So people were unsure exactly what he'd have. Well, he touched 98 miles with his fastball, threw a changeup that may have been his best pitch. It was so disgusting um, after that fastball, and then a, a slider that could literally you know drop three feet or break across the zone. Just uh, I mean, I was afraid. Like, I had flashbacks to some of the tougher pitchers I ever faced in my career. I don't know that anyone got anywhere close to that. My knees were trembling watching him pitch. It was just nasty, unbelievable stuff. And, I mean, hey, good for LSU for having that, you know, guy to throw in there. And it basically shut uh, any momentum that the Longhorns had down and effectively canceled out a really good day from Bryce Elder where he went, uh, you know, gave up three earned uh, but had 10 Ks in in a little over six innings. So, um, you know. Kudos to them. I do think the the thing that I loved in that Arkansas game, though, was that some of the young guys, when we did start having skid, two guys stepped up. Um, you know, Pete Hansen locked him down for you know, almost two innings when Texas absolutely needed it or they would have lost that game. And then Duplantier started off a little slow in the ninth and then struck out the final two, kind of rising to the occasion. That's two freshmen, two kids who have a ton of upside, probably got a big confidence boost. And I think you'll probably see some of that pay off because they've been, you know, asked to do it from day one. And so far they, they have both done uh, really, really well. So uh, there are things to take away from this that, that do get me excited about the remainder of the season. Absolutely. So Texas is back on the diamond uh, Tuesday, the day you're listening to this for a midweek matchup against Arizona before a three-game weekend series against Cal State Fullerton. All of these at the dish and all of those on Longhorn Network. So get out there and show your support. So that's the part of the show where we give some shine to the areas that don't necessarily always get as much as they should, and we down the 40. Now, again, the NFL Combine is a sport that normally gets a lot of love, but we didn't talk about it yet, so we've got to. Uh, Four Texas players, air quotes, participated in the Combine. Colin Johnson, Devin DuVernay, Malcolm Roach, and Brandon Jones did not actually participate. Uh, Colin Johnson uh, just participated in one of the possible events, 17 reps on the bench press at 225, which is not a high number, but wide receivers definitely generally don't uh, need to do a ton on the bench. Devin DuVernay uh, turned in a 439 40-yard dash, which is the fifth fastest for a wide receiver. When he ran it, it was tied for the fastest among the wide receivers, and a 420 20-yard shuttle kind of showing his change of direction uh, is a num- is the number three among wide receivers, and his change of direction was kind of a big knock on him uh, coming out of high school, too, and so it's good to see that. Malcolm Roach put on a little bit of a show as well, ran a 484 40-yard dash the uh, in the top 15 of the defensive lineman, 30-inch vertical jump, 114-inch broad jump, and 20 reps at 225, so he hit that magic 20, and he was good. Brandon Jones did not participate. He's dealing with some injuries but met with teams and revealed that he basically watched and broke down game film from all 32 NFL teams 
to sharpen his mind heading into the combine. Yeah, it's fair. You do you do hate to see both Colin Johnson and Brandon Jones, who have had some injury history and maybe a knock on their draft status, not participate in the combine due to some injuries. Colin Jones had the injured hip flexure and didn't run uh, his forty, but he said he plans to at Texas Pro Day in April and he hopes to hit a four five. I hope to um, equally, you know, run about the same. Um, one of us has a realistic shot at that. That would be him, um, hopefully. Uh, I will say four three nine being the fifth fastest is a travesty. Uh, also Duvernay is, is put on about 20 pounds since coming to college. So good on him. Um, and doing all that. But, but I don't know if you saw the Henry rug stuff. He's just a, a stinking monster and it shows how ridiculous this class is. He was the, the, the head of the bunch, but I saw someone post a video of him in high school. Um, some of his like in-game dunks and they are some of the truly nastiest things i've ever seen in my life doing 360s in between the legs alley-oops that he catches at about 17 feet in the air it looked like just a, an unbelievable athlete this receiver class is so loaded and it's really sad in a year that texas has two really really good prospects um that that you know they they may not get the uh the grades or the the you know, draft position that they might in other years or probably uh, in each of their cases have earned through, you know, great production, especially for, for Devin this season. Um, but, uh, you know, that's fine. Ravens fourth round sounds good. Uh, maybe Texans, whatever uh, for Duvernay. If, if he falls so low, uh, I'll say it here, folks, De- Devin Duvernay is going to end up being the Puna Ford of this year's draft. All right. He's going to make some GM look real smart for getting him a, a couple rounds uh, cheaper than than uh, he probably should have gone. Okay, that's fair. We heard it here first. Uh, neither of us are draft analysts, but we will get a draft analyst on to talk about it as the draft rolls around. Uh, softball played seven games since we were last with you, so we're not going to talk about all of them. But in those seven games, they went five and two. That includes wins over the number one, number two, number nine, and number 11 teams. Uh, a lot of good happened for Texas in that run. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, just an incredibly taxing stretch. The men's baseball team we talked about obviously had um, a crazy little run of some tough games in one weekend, but this is nuts. This is like relatively unparalleled how tough this week of softball was, and they came out, I think, all the better for it. Number three team heading in, you know, very likely could could move uh, up after beating the number one and number two teams on the road in their home in California and Washington, um, beating UCLA number one, UCLA six to four and in eight innings snapped a 23 game winning streak for the, uh, the Bruins. So, I mean, they're going in and, and taking care of business against teams that, you know, legitimately have national championships, uh, in, in their eyes. And so I, I think, um, of all the things Del Conte has done, hiring coach white might be the, might be the actual best of the bunch. Now, isn't isn't White like the only coach he's hired? Um, no, I think he hired uh, Floreal, the track coach. Um, so we'll come to that. We'll come to that in just a minute. Okay. All right. Fair. All right. And I was going to say, I think also technically you could say Bruce Burke. Uh, he he transitioned to head coach. I don't I don't know if that's a hire or a transition, but uh, <laughs> White. Mike White is an incredible hire for Del Conte and pretty indicative of the kinds of coaches that I think Del Conte uh, will bring in. So do we want to just transition to the other coach that they brought in? Um, Track and field. Indoor champions. Let's let's talk about it. 
the women won their third consecutive conference indoor uh, championship for uh, on the women's side. Catherine Gillespie won three events to lead the way. The first ever to win three events since Marshavette Hooker back when you and I were on campus. It was so long ago. Two of her teammates joined her later on the men's side. The men finished third, but had several individual champions, including a name that you probably heard of. John Burt won his second consecutive 60 meter hurdles. Uh, and O'Brien Wassum became the second Texas uh, jumper ever to sweep the long and triple jump in the indoors. Yeah, we are very much um, an Olympic sports school now. Um, that's that's how I'm going to classify it. We we've at times said country club sports, but we are an Olympic sports school with the softball, uh, track and field. We'll talk about some swimming, diving, but yeah, I mean, like like we're talking about it. Coach Floreal has come in and they've gotten better basically every year. Um, they've had some outstanding um, repeat performers and in, in Trippy Perry and and O'Brien Wassum, um, who and, and John Burt who, you know, uh, you can't give that all to the coach. You know, they've been good, stayed good, but uh, he keeps he keeps bringing the right people in and, and coaching them up. So I, I'm excited because Texas track should always be good. I don't know why that's just a thing that should be the truth. It just feels right when Texas is good uh, at track. It also helps when our women's track team is, is electrically fast because then you can produce the Sonia Richards-Ross uh, babies of the world who are going to eventually, um, you know, carry Texas into multiple national championships in whatever sport those children choose to play. Can you imagine being the the progeny of a an Olympic gold medalist and a Super Bowl winner? Like, can you imagine being now, born into that? Now, my dad was a uh, Pennsylvania 1A state wrestling high school champion. So, yeah, I kind of can. You know, and my mom, you know, district track champion. So, yeah, yeah, pretty pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Understand that level of pressure. Uh, so, <laughs> we'll just keep it in the championship mood. Uh, men's and women's uh, swimming and diving won Big 12 championships. Men took home their big yawn 41st consecutive conference championship. The women eight straight so there are um there are third graders that haven't lived in a world where texas women didn't win the big 12 championship in swimming and the coaches swept the awards for the coaches of the tournament men's and women's swimming and diving all four took home plaques the uh what do other big 12 programs and billy corgan have in common gerald taking l's yeah, but they have not uh, been particularly relevant since 1979. Um, <laughs> that's a good that's a good joke, and you know it. You just sit there bad. and appreciate it. Yeah. Um, no, it's wild. That's like that. That is. I cannot think of anything I can do with that consistent level of excellence. Like if you asked me to to handwrite my name out you know, X amount of times. I'm not even going to say I could probably get 41, but let's extrapolate it, right? Because there's many events, whatever, whatever. Let's say 300. I bet I misspell it before these people don't uh, win another championship. They just, they, all they do is win. It's, it's, it's relatively unbelievable. They won every single event in, in this, in this conference championship. They won every single event, first place, at least, uh, if not multiple placings in every single event. Now, Kyle, I do want to challenge you on one thing. Um, Tonight Tonight came out after 1979, so um, Smashing Pumpkins has been been relevant 
more recently. Granted, they came out the same year. They're on the same album, but I'm going to go ahead and take that as a uh, as a win for me, Kyle. I'm just going to go ahead and shame you there uh, publicly on the podcast. No, so I I just don't like. Wh- <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like I I'm, I'm out of words for talking about how dominant Eddie Reese is. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what to say about it. Like. They continue, like they continue to be the class of of the nation. Really, the fact that you know Olympians come to train at Texas is how it should be. Same thing goes for track and field now. Like Olympians are in Austin, and that's all there is to it. Uh, the women's basketball team decided that they wanted to just get in on the winning action. Now there weren't as high of stakes this weekend for them, but they decided to put the boots to Oklahoma, eighty six to seventy six. And uh, freshman Celeste Taylor has been on a tear. 27 points in this one, uh, 22 in the previous game, 49 points in her last two games, uh, was named the Big 12 Freshman of the Week. So Texas, uh, they struggled. They had that that weird kind of struggle uh, last week and the weeks before, but it seems like they're finding their form again and, and hitting their stride right before the conference tournament. Yeah, I mean, Celeste Taylor was a you know high school American, someone who just looked like she was going to be great at UT and she's been good as a freshman, but she really seems to have found all of that confidence. And, and it, it just seems to be exactly what the, uh, what the Longhorns need and in a perfect time to, to balance the, the bigs with Charlie Collier and um, what they, they like to do inside. Uh, I think it's, I think it's like perfect, right? This is a great time with a tough, obviously big 12 tournament coming up before the, uh, the, the women's March madness. So I, uh, I, I am, They've had a couple hiccups and a couple stumbles, but they are a legitimately good team, and it could be interesting um, once that that tournament kicks off how they uh, how they get seated. The matchups they have could dictate if this could be a, a pretty good little run for this team. Uh, here's hoping. Here's hoping they get a decent uh, matchup out of that. And again, these last few games will have a lot to say about that. And, and I'm just going to put one more thing. I will mention Celeste Taylor at least one more time on this podcast. I won't give you any hints, Gerald, but that will happen. I'm excited for it. So, giving you your next opportunity, it's part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and the Bang the Drum, brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Well, so I'm, I'm banging the drum on um, Tom Herman. Maybe you heard of him. Um, you know, not, not since, uh, Mayor Pete giving his concession speech has, has, um, Notre Dame and then the state of Indiana, uh, and South Bend in particular, been this relevant to the news, but you may have heard Gerald that, uh, Tom Herman headed up to, uh, headed up to South Bend and, um, UT football's done that a couple times. Not always the, the best results, but, uh, we're hoping for good things. Tom going up there to talk to Notre Dame head coach, Brian Kelly, who love or hate the Irish. And I, I certainly am in the latter, um, group. You have to respect that they are a perennial, like as much as, you know, you can argue any team in the country without a doubt, they are the blue blood and they're the blue blood, um, that spanned, you know, or, you know, a century, um, really. So, I mean, you have your old army Navy and you think about those teams and they kind of fell off. Notre Dame has just kept doing it. Um, they are, they are certainly one of the, the best teams in the country and in year in and year out. Um, now whether they have an outsized, um, piece of, of the pie in 2020, that's a different conversation, but nonetheless, um, he went up to talk to Brian Kelly about how you 
do um, a program overhaul and still continue success. So it's that reload um, as opposed to a complete rebuild. And, and bringing in seven new coaches, certainly you, you run the risk of getting into a rebuild. But the thing, more importantly than whatever their conversation yields for me and the way that I look at this story is that there has been a narrative of Tom Herman, and, and and you could probably make the argument that it's not entirely off base, that he's a little bit too smart for his own good, that he might be a little bit arrogant, that he can be kind of, you know, very self-assured. And we have discussed it a, a bit on this podcast even, um, but a, a, a decision like this tells me there's some level of humility, that he's saying, you know what? I'm a young coach. I I may have had some success already in my career. I may know some things and have some ideas, but I'm a young coach and there's guys out there who've been doing it. And there are people who I can saddle up to and just ask, what did you do in this situation? What do you think about this? How would you handle this? And the coaching profession is an interesting one. There are um, secrets to be held, but don't forget that Daryl Royal taught people how to run the wishbone, you know? Um, it, it, it is, uh, maybe to his detriment, but it is a it is a profession that, uh, much like LeBron, you know, patting Zion on the back and, and, and giving him encouraging words, the same as Tim Duncan did to LeBron uh, after he swept him in the finals, um, there is this culture of mentoring and nurturing the, the next generation that I think is wonderful and the best part about sports. And so if if Brian Kelly can give some nuggets of wisdom and more importantly, if Tom can be open to going and seeking and and really taking that, then I, I think that's fantastic. And I also think it helps kind of his image and I think it helps maybe the the correct i don't know you know if public perception is always right but what seems to be a public perception that that you know tom and pejoratively called mensa tom is too smart for anyone else knows everything has the binder all decisions are up to him um i think it's a good sign and it it, it does give me a bit of hope as we head into the next football season um that is a put up or shut up is a make or break um and and has some challenges in the you know in the ability to do that no matter how much talent you have when you replace more than half of your staff. So I'm excited. I think this is a good story. Um, and, and, and good on you, Tom. Yeah, you and I have talked about it on this podcast. We talked about it at the, uh, Houston Tejas, uh, breakfast that I think there's a little bit of leadership immaturity with Tom Herman and not really wanting to give up the reins. You know, you, if you don't know my day job, I'm a, I'm a leadership coach and, and trainer. And so like a lot of times you see with people that are taking on their first real big kid role that they want to just have their arms around everything, right? Like I know what got me there is being really good at calling plays, but what got you there is not going to keep you there. And that's always what I have to tell new leaders. Like, Hey, what got you there is doing the thing. Well, it's not going to keep you there. So seeing Herman learning from people that have done it before and figuring out. And, and one of the things that I think, you know, Brian Kelly, I think it's a trash human being. I'm just going to go and say it. Uh, but one of the things Brian Kelly has done really well is empowered his coordinators and empowered his people to be successful. And that's, I think, the biggest thing that stood in the way of Tom Herman's success for these last few years at Texas was that he wanted to be in on everything. And that's not how you succeed at the University of Texas and really at any high level. That's not your job. And so I love, love, love seeing him doing that. So I'm banging the drum this week on something that's a little uh, – a little less important, probably a little uh, less reverent, but college football is tentatively or has tentatively agreed to allow players to wear the number zero, 
which seems like a weird thing to have to do, especially given all of the actual issues that are facing uh, college football players, you know, uh, name, image, and likeness rights and those types of things. And, you know, coaches leaving when, you know, they sell players on long-term commitments and blah, blah, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. But this is one way that I think college football, NCAA, is finally realizing that, oh, we're a game and we should be fun. And so letting players wear the number zero, letting kids be kids and, and do something. And I think the resurgence or the, the continued surgence of Russell Westbrook has been a thing, right? I think there's a lot of guys that from the Houston area that want to wear a zero or some kids from Oklahoma City that want to wear the number zero. Kids nationally who probably love Russell Westbrook and the, the what he does on the court. And so um, I think this is a good thing. And I personally am of the opinion that here's what's going to happen is some pretty boy skinny guy. <laughs> is going to lobby for number zero. It's going to be a, a wide receiver. It's going to be a quarterback, maybe even. And I think the number zero should be seen as the number 100. And the number 100 follows 99, which the 90s are always your defensive linemen. And so I really think that the number zero should be reserved for defensive linemen. Because the thing I want most in life... <laughs> Probably not the thing I want to see most in life, but a thing that I would love to see is how big the stitched on zero has to be when you put it on Keandre Coburn's jersey. That's what I want to see, Kyle. That would make me a very, very happy human. You know, uh, I would love to see that, Gerald. I, uh, I I can't think of a football player I would like to see it more on. And just like his big old smile with a big old zero. I mean, how much more can you love Snacks himself? But I do want to point out, I told you this wouldn't be the last time that I mentioned Celeste Taylor. There are some other zeros currently on the 40 acres, Gerald. Did you know that Celeste Taylor, uh, who we just spent some time talking about in the women's basketball recap, has been rocking number zero all year her freshman year? Also uh, a young buck, sophomore on the, the basketball team out of Cibolo, Texas Steel High School. Jared, Gerald, uh, good name, Liddell, uh, is number zero. Uh, on, the, uh, on the baseball field, a, a, a little uh, name you may have heard before uh, says some, some you know pretty quotable things like, if it ain't burn, it ain't turt, Trey Faltini is number zero, and I think the best zero on the entire campus is actually double zero, going back to softball, Lauren Burke, uh, who has been absolutely on fire. I, they, I, Texas softball put out a stat during the recent run that we just described. She's like, you know, just a, like a over a 1,000 OPS, just slugging, over 500 batting, RBIs, home run, just crazy stats. Um, you know, sneakily is like the the second best player probably on that Texas softball team that has about eight people who can uh, contend for that spot. But so there are zeros already. Football's late to the party, y'all. I don't know that swimmers necessarily get numbers. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's – uh, Keandre Coburn has – if he chooses, or whoever chooses to take that number, uh, has some shoes to fill. I think the only other player that I'd be okay with having the number zero is Xavier uh, Alford, the hundred yard landlord, because I feel like Ooh. he would he would make it a thing Ooh. where he would he would always find a stat that was zero, like zero zero catches given up this week, zero points scored on my side of the field. Like I feel like he would take it and make it a thing. So he's the only other one that I would allow or be okay with having. But that's all we've got for you today kyle where can the good folks find you on the internet oh you can find me on twitter 
uh, at Kyle Carpenter. You can follow the Texas Pregamer on Twitter at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. And happy birthday, Texas. Happy birthday, me.